y'all. Welcome back to another podcast episode with your black queen promoting only black excellence, Batul. Now this week's episode, we have a special guest, the author and mastermind behind the ethnography, Black Women Against the Land Grab by Keisha Khan Y. Perry. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming, Dr. Perry. Uh, so this book was published in 2013 by the Regents of University of Minnesota and is Dr. Perry's first and only book to date. This book is about $16 to $20 on Amazon, depending on if you prefer a hardcover or not. Now this episode will be diving into why this book is a must-read for every college-educated person. Now, Dr. Perry, you're a current professor at Brown University, right? Yes, correct. Uh, You specialize in the critical study of race, gender, and politics in the Americas, with a particular focus on black women's activism, urban uh, geography, and questions of citizenship. You've been asking all the questions, specifically one that I thought of throughout the... um, reading was why do black women reach the conclusion that they have to organize themselves politically um in order to face the triple discrimination of being woman poor and black the book examines the need for international solidarity with social movements started by and advocating for black women and it deals explicitly with the structural and global power relationships And also, I wanted to explore the various articulations of racism throughout the African diaspora. So, to introduce my story, it begins with Donatelma, and she is actually a very good friend of mine. Uh, Donatelma is an Afro-Brazilian woman living in the urban neighborhood of Gambo de Baxo. And she describes in depth telling us about the forced demolition of urban neighborhoods and the displacement of residents. I wanted to tell this story through an anthropological journey with the everyday's happening being noted. I want to give voice to the women who drive the community grassroots movements in neighborhoods from the perspectives of someone who knows them and shares their friendships and their ideals. You really do um, strategically do so in a way that highlights the systematic oppression that these women are subjected to. Um, you really translate their experiences in a way that any group can understand. I could really just look at parts of this book where I could feel their desire, their pain, um, and I almost wanted to help them. I almost felt like I was there. I appreciate that. That's really the type of resonance I was trying to paint. So Black Women Against the Land Grab makes an overdue contribution to our understanding of social movements in Brazil. Um, I wanted to paint the women as uh, categorical leaders and resisting development plans that amount to expelling poor black communities from their historical homes. Long-term involvement in unabashed advocacy for their cause resulted in an electrifying ethnography that showcases the wry humor and perceptive analysis of grassroots community activists. Thank you so much, Dr. Perry. Uh, So without further ado, uh, we're just going to add a quick interlude real quick, and then we'll get into an in-depth review of this beautiful written ethnography. See you after the break. Okay, welcome back, y'all. Um, Dr. Perry, you start this book off with the scene that you, um, that happens in a bank. Can you kind of tell the listeners about that scene and what you felt? Of course. So I am entering, uh, the bank with my two friends, 
Um, and I would describe them as my best friends. Mm-hmm. So I'm entering this bank and I'm trying to go through a security. Um, and my two friends, after um, they put their purse on the security belt and then made it through the metal detector easily, despite having keys and a pocket in their phones. But when I tried to go through um, four different times, I was getting frustrated and began to challenge the security guard. I asked the guard whether my being detained had anything to do with me being a black woman. And he, of course, defended the racial and gender objectivity of the metal detector. And I noticed that she and held a remote control button behind her back that she pressed to open and close the revolving doors. Um, and this security guards, uh, it, it revealed to me that the security guards were, in fact, using the manually controlled buttons to profile bank customers at sight and refuse entry to black people, especially those who are darker skinned. Wow. Hearing that story really hooked me for the content of the rest of the book. I think this is where you kind of um, introduced us. <coughs> Sorry, bless me. <laughs> um, you kind of introduced the idea of diasporic black- blackness. Um, it kind of shows the reality of how gendered racism, racial conscious, and that anti-racism resistance operates. Yeah, and after, I want to mention that that incident resulted in me never wanting to go back into a bank and I never did and said I had always sent my lighter skin friends to go for me and I wanted this to highlight the things that I have to do every day and have to avoid every day in terms of the social indignities that black women experience in Brazil look I'm black and I have absolute consciousness consciousness of all the inequalities that my community that my population suffer and that these inequalities manifest within the reality that we already put forth there is a white and a black world however how can we ensure the policies that promote equality reach the black population without referring to race wow chapter one opens with this quote that i think might have been my favorite from this whole book um it says our greatest assets in kenya is our land this is the heritage we receive from our forefathers in land lies our salvation and survival it was this knowledge that we fought for the freedom of our country kenyatta 1964 i really enjoyed this quote can can you tell me why you used it yeah of course i I just know that black women are the ones who remember land. So that's where I really wanted to begin the storytelling. But before that, the readers needed to know that Gamboya de Baxo's neighborhood in Salvador City is centered to a black neighborhood. The city attempted to convey the neighborhood as a separate urban world marked by immoral illegal activities of black men and women um, that are obscured from public view. The majority of black women in Gambio de Baxo worked as domestic servants for middle and upper class white families in the city of Salvador. And these women are also the key leaders who fought for land rights for poor blacks, one especially being Donna Telma. Um, if I could just really quickly read her story to the audience, do you mind? Of course not. Um, six police cars with more than 20 fully armed military police, some with machine guns and rifles, stopped in front of two adjoining homes of Telma Sule Santos Senya and Ana Celia Gomez Cancillo. Accompanying a bulldozer and a moving truck, the military police had arrived carrying out orders to remove the residents and their belongings from the homes, demolish the houses and clear the land where Donna Telma lived with her husband, seven children, 
two grandchildren, and a daughter-in-law. The two families were home when the police and demolished squad arrived, and their neighborhood immediately reacted to the alarm. Upon seeing the families inside the house, the three men who were in charge of moving the residents refused to follow through with the job. The men told the movers that if they did not carry out their duties, they would be arrested. The men then reluctantly worked to load the family's belongings into the truck parked in front of the house, where a crowd of neighborhood residents, primarily women, had begun to gather and vocalize their indignation. Donatelma cried uncontrollably as she pled with the police and the driver of the bulldozer. Donna Antonia Telma's aunt showed the police officers legal documents certifying that the land had passed from the original owner, already deceased, to Telma's grandmother almost two decades earlier. Telma's grandmother died and the land was bequeathed to her children and grandchildren. Before Donna Telma built her house on the prop plots where they built their houses and raised their children. Recently, a Bahian engineer, Adolf Stalkmich, had claimed ownership of the land, saying that he had inherited it. With the support of the courts, he ordered the families to buy the land for him or vacate immediately. Even with documents supporting Donatelma's ownership, claims of ownership, the two families lost all legal battles to secure the land. The families were poor. Uh, We don't have the legal information we need to fight back. The result is... What we're seeing. We're seeing the shark wanting to gobble us up, little fish. The man remained motionless in his bulldozer as tears trickled down his face. He appeared to be sick, as if about to faint. The police repeated that he needed to carry out these orders uh, to demolish the houses. He mumbled that he suffered from high blood pressure and had a bad heart. I can't do this. I'm a family man. I have nine children, he said refusing to climb down from the bulldozer to be arrested. The owner of the demolition company ordered him to turn off the bulldozer and leave the cabin. The owner accused Selmich of faithfully informing him that there was... failing to inform him that there were families living inside the houses. He was met with applause from the crows as he drove away from the swarming media. The two homes and land were safe, at least for the moment. Can you kind of tell us about this story? I want to say that it really conveys how intense and traumatic um, the daily struggle between state and private urban developers aggressively reinforced um, by police um, on poor black families can be. (coughs) Sorry, are you good, Dr. Perry? Here's a glass of water. Thank you. So the gendered racial and class hierarchies created by the spatial demarcations of the city's streets resulted in the creation of a black female-led social movement to combat inequalities in the city. I could really see that because it really, um, you really highlight um, that Donna Thelma is the one pleading these officers to mm-hmm. please not uh, bulldoze her house and etc. And chapter two begins to illustrate a technical and aesthetic improvement to the city of Salvador through the construction of Contreno Avenue, resulting in the invisibility of Gambo de Baxo and its residents, both spatially and socially. According to one elderly woman in the Gambo de Baxo, the neighborhood was marginalized by the passage of Contreno Avenue, bringing to the residents an oblivion and even discrimination in relation to the rest of the city. 
This leads to the conversation of historical oppression. In chapter three, the history of Gambo de Brex, so its community movement against urban renewal programs and for access to material resources such as urban land and housing is highlighted. Okay. And then chapter four, um, this is really when you start to talk about the social movement, right? Yes. So um, this chapter highlights the importance of black women's involvement in politics. The black women experience political violence in a way that leads to trauma and death and how they respond to that violence challenges how we think about gendered nature of political repression. Intercommunity dynamics shape the activism as they are forced to simultaneously grapple with the reality of fighting both the Homans and the Meninos. In addition to real fear, violence on the party of residents tarnishes the positive image of Gambio de Baxo that artists have worked so hard to construct. I then um start to think of the of the first protest that these women argue, organize and follow through. Um and yeah, I remember Donna Telma telling me during the protest that she felt like she had a place in the society to call her to call her own and finally there was anger there, there was, was passion. passion yeah there were black women young and old fighting for their communities i could really hear that um through the passages um see this is what i mean by you really strategically use the tool of storytelling to give the readers a sense of anxiety the pain um and the desperation of these women of salvador um can you kind of touch on the last chapter really quick yeah, so the last chapter is really about how despite the barriers that these women are facing in, in the invisibility of their neighborhoods, the structural violence attacking them, once they were able to organize and protest and advocate, nothing could stop them. Well, thank you, Dr. Perry. You really do it all. You give a voice to these women that would otherwise be silenced and ignored. Uh, the international parallels presented really allows um, readers to apply the stories of struggle to reflect on their own communities. Uh, for example, I thought of all the black mothers, um, Ferguson, um, that organized protests, started movements over the hyper-racial violence that often leaves black men victim uh, to police brutality. Mm-hmm. Uh, black women neighborhood association leaders uh, through Gambio de Baxo um, are at the forefront of these debates on land rights. Um, your background knowledge in Africana studies and your existence as a black woman really gives you the ability to colorfully explain mm-hmm. and document the stories of these neighborhoods. Um, you were able to see the violence as structural, as a systematic problem um, that really has manifested in different forms throughout the history of Salvador. Mm-hmm. You let us know about the construction of the Corona, uh, Crontona Avenue that really hides this neighborhood um, and how... This neighborhood has always gotten a bad rep for simply being a black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that connection is really what I wanted you to feel, that global solitude of understanding what the women in Gambo de Vaxo went through. And the reason why I am so passionate about these women and pursued the opportunity to do field work in Salvador is really because of my Jamaican heritage, especially my grandmother. Over the past two decades, my grandmother has endured a fierce legal battle against land eviction in rural Jamaica much like the women in the neighborhood of Agamba, the Vaxo. And I had witnessed firsthand the women in my family fighting furiously to secure their own family home. And my identification with land struggles come from a personal experience, and my intellectual focus on the issues was an attempt to deepen those connections politically. And 
I also want to note that my knowledge is evident in the way that I was describing and trying to tell each story through an intimate lens. The book has really been so much about the political organization of black women in Salvador and Brazil. And it's also about black women's search for freedom in the diaspora communities worldwide. Wow, that was a really good note to end on, Dr. Perry. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Perry. Um, Again, you guys, um, please check out her book, Black Women Against the Land Grab in Brazil. Again, you can find it on Amazon. Thank you so much. And can't wait to see you guys on another episode um, with your Black Queen Batul promoting only Black excellence.